Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Well, good morning, church. Uh, it's good to be back with you. Um, we continue uh, videoing and online services, and uh, just under the circumstances that we're in, we're just thankful for the technology and the gifts that we have to do this for you. And it's good to be back with you in your homes, and uh, pray it's been a great week for you and your family. So uh, last week uh, for Easter, I jumped into a series um, called He's Not Done, and we looked at um, a particular part of the Easter story in John chapter 20, where there's a napkin that Jesus has, a burial cloth that he has, and he... um, and there was an, he, he left that in the tomb when he left. He folded it and left it in there. And, and I, I explained that that is a Hebrew custom, and um, everyone knows that custom. It's kind of true still today. A folded napkin still means that someone's at the table, and a wadded napkin means they're finished. And so I wanted to kind of continue that series by looking at some different things that, that he's not done with. And so today, uh, we still have that same setting at the table. Uh, over here, you see the wadded napkin. Uh, in that day, in that time, in the Hebrew tradition, the culture there, uh, the master-servant relationship, the servant sees this napkin wadded up on the place setting. He would know, basically, uh, that this master is finished with his meal. And if he's finished, the servant knows he can, he can clear this, this spot. But over here on this side, you see the same setting, but the napkin is folded off to the side. So the servant knows in this setting right here that the master has left the table for a little while, but he's, he's returning, he's coming back. Uh, he's not done uh, because the napkin's folded and he wants to resume his meal and the napkin just like that is. And so this is where we're gonna take this and launch from this into the series over the next several weeks. And so today, What I want to look at is uh, the overarching theme of he's not done, but what is he not done with? Last week, we looked at he's not done with me. He's not done with me. Today, I want to look at he's not done with relationships, Not, not just relationships, okay? I mean, you and I know that right now, uh, there's a whole lot of people craving relationships. They're just, we're not able to have relationships right now. They're, they're, we're we're kind of isolated, kind of staying in our home, not getting out. And, and it's it's getting to a lot of people. And, and it's getting to them because we, we, created by God, are built for relationship. And if we're not doing life and having relationships, we're, we're suffering. We're not good isolated. We're not. Uh, we don't we don't do that well. I mean, we, we it's okay for a little season, and it's okay to have a little time out or a sabbatical. But but you don't want to live that way because that is not a healthy way to live. And so right now we're isolated, we're we're kind of cut off, and and the country's kind of shut down. So relationships are not happening. But God built us and created us to have relationship, and so we make a lot of relationships throughout our lives. Okay, but I'm not talking about a relationship today. I'm talking about 
the relationship. You see, I can have a relationship, but my a relationships will go a whole lot better if I have the relationship in the right spot. And that the relationship is a relationship that Jesus Christ wants to have with me. I was created, made by God to have relationship with God. And I do that through Jesus Christ. So if my other relationships are gonna be healthy, the number one relationship that has to be healthy is the one with Jesus. Because Jesus and that relationship that I have with him and he has with me will make all the other relationships great. And so today I wanna talk about not just a relationship, but I wanna talk about the relationship. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Or may I say it this way? Not your answer is important, but it's not the most important. Would Jesus say he knows you by name? That he knows you and you and Jesus have a relationship, okay? And we're gonna talk about that relationship because that's the most important relationship that there is. And here's the deal. He's not done. But And I have good news for you. Since the napkin is folded and he's not done, the time is not too late for you. You, if you realize today that you don't have the relationship right in your life, you have a relationships, you have many relationships, but the D relationship is not, is not solid, then today is a day of salvation, as the Bible says. You can, you can before we end, you can pray and receive Jesus Christ, your own personal Savior, and you can have the relationship that you need so bad in your life because God wants to have a relationship with you. That's why he created you. He didn't create you for any other reason except to have a relationship with you. So I wanna look at it. So when you're dealing with relationships uh, with Jesus, I, th th understand something, that, that the relationship that God made possible through Jesus was a free relationship. It's a free gift. Salvation is free. Okay, now, because salvation is free, because Jesus did what you and I could not do, he took our place on a hill called Calvary. He was nailed to a cross, he took our place, he paid the price, he was the unblemished lamb, he was a spotless lamb, he was a sinless lamb, but he took the sin of the world on him and he was nailed to a cross and he died for you and for me. Why? So we could have a relationship with Jesus, okay? So it's a free, free gift. Now here's two responses that I see when you talk about free response, when I talk about, when you talk about a free gift, all right? Number one, the response that you see is, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of what he did for me, or I don't deserve what he did for me, okay? I'm not worthy, or I don't deserve it. Well, let me help you with something. You're, whether you feel like you deserve it, or whether you feel like you're worthy or not, is, is irrelevant. He's not waiting for your answer. He said, you're worthy, and he went to the cross. He said, you deserve it, and he went to the cross. He didn't wait for you or need your approval. He said, he loves you, and you are worth what he's about to do. John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners, so, so none of us were worthy, but he thought we were worthy. He said, you're worth what I'm doing. You, none of us deserve it. It's a free gift. So, so you, you, many people walk around and go, well, I don't, I'm not worthy of him dying for me. I don't deserve it. Or they, or they go, you know, this is my lot in life. Well, you need a new lot. I mean, they walk around like, the, like they've been beat up, like a wet pretzel, but they're not, they're not walking in their identity in Christ because they feel like they're not worthy. People say this all the time. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Well, no, you're not, okay? I know that phrase is out there, but that's an incorrect phrase. You're not a sinner saved by grace. You were once a sinner saved by grace, so now you're a saint that's been saved by grace. Scripture does not call you after salvation a sinner. Scripture calls you after salvation a saint. So if you are a saint, then live in that identity as a saint. You're a king's kid. You have been redeemed. You've been born again. The power of the Holy Spirit's living inside of you. It is the guarantee. It is your deposit guaranteeing your inheritance one day in the kingdom of God. So walk in that identity as a born-again child of the king, worthy of what he did, deserving of what he did. He thought so, so you think so. If you're gonna live like a, I mean, if you think you're a loser, you'll live like a loser, okay? So think you're a saint and live like a saint. You say, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not asking you to be perfect, neither is he. He's saying live in the power, live in the anointing, live in the, in the newness of being a born-again child of the king and stop walking around going, well, I'm not worthy or I don't deserve it. Well, that's not attractive. Who wants to have what you have if that's how you feel? Well, uh, you know, if they see you living like that, why well, they want to run to the church and get saved. They don't, they, that's, not, that's not important. You got to live a life worthy of the calling in which he called you to. He called you to a new life in him. So you, you are worthy. Not, it doesn't matter what you think. He thinks you're worthy. And you don't, it doesn't matter if you think you deserved it or not. He thought you deserved it. And he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so he'd have a relationship with you. So that's one response I see sometimes with a free gift, okay? Secondly, you'll see this response. They don't appreciate it. You, you, you get salvation, it's free. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's a free gift from God. And, and you, don't, you don't appreciate it. Or, 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 or maybe this, you don't take care of it. Or you just neglect it. You don't feed it. You don't nurture it. You don't grow it, Okay? He said, well, you know, I said this prayer. They said, say a prayer. I said a prayer when I was about eight. So, you know, now that I'm 38, I've been saved 30 years. So, I, you know, I got my fire insurance. I'm not going to burn in hell, but, but I will do whatever I want to do. I'll just live like hell because I'm, I'm getting heaven. No, you can't just live like hell and expect heaven. I mean, you don't understand salvation if, if you think you can just live however you want to post-salvation. I'm not sure you ever got saved that that's how sloppy you are with a gift. The gift is that he laid his life down for you and he put his Holy Spirit in you to live a life that you can't live without him. And you've got to appreciate what he did for you, okay? Now, we, it's a dangerous little tool because, because you're not saved by works, you're saved unto good works, okay? We live in America where America works. Right now, America's not working and it's killing America. We need to get back to work. You, you live in Texas. Texas people work. They don't even know how to work, okay? So, so we love to work, okay? 
But, but the Bible tells us that you cannot work your way to heaven. You can't do enough to get to heaven. You can't demonstrate work, sweat, try, claw. You can't do enough to get to heaven. Going to church does not make you a Christian. It will not get you heaven. If going to church made you a Christian, then going to McDonald's will make you a French fry. And that's not happening, okay? So to get out of your mind that going to church makes you a Christian. Because I meet people all the time and say, yeah, I grew up in church and I'm going to heaven. Well, you can grow up in church all day long, but you can go straight to hell. Jesus Christ is the reason you're gonna go to heaven, okay? And so many people... Many people say they're born again, they're saved, but they're not nurturing and taking care of and feeding that relationship whatsoever. They're just banking that they said some little token prayer one day and they're born again, they're, they're saved, and one day they're gonna be in heaven, but they don't try at all to nurture that relationship. They don't appreciate it. They don't sit with the Father. They don't, they don't read his word. They don't go to church. They don't do anything to nurture and show thank you to one who gave a free gift to them. They just trash the relationship. They just take advantage, okay? So I wonder today, are you that person? Are you really taking care of the gift that he gave you? He gave you salvation, man. He gave you salvation. He, he gave you a relationship. He wants to meet with you. Every sunrise is an invitation for you to meet with God. Meet with the Father. He has much to say to you through his Holy Spirit. If you're born again today, he has, a, he has a Holy Spirit living inside of you. His Holy Spirit living inside of you wants to talk. He wants to talk to you. The Father and the Holy Spirit want to talk, all right? So let the Father speak to you. I mean, many people are not. They're not, they're not nurturing their relationship with the Lord. They're not growing it. They're not doing anything for their relationship with the Lord. Several years ago, when I was a little kid, my grandparents lived in South Texas. And if you've ever been to South Texas, uh, they have a lot of pecan trees. Southern pecan trees are awesome. I mean, they grow huge down there, okay? So my, I, I, I visited with my grandparents a lot when they, were, when, they, when they were alive and I was growing up down there. And so I'd go down to the coast and I would see my grandparents. My grandparents had several big pecan trees in the yard. And I told my granddad for years, man, I love pecan trees. I would love to be able to grow a pecan tree. So one day, uh, one Christmas, I didn't know this was coming. He came to see me. I was 14 years old. And for that Christmas, I didn't know what I was getting from my grandparents. I thought I'd get something like fishing lures or a pole or something like that because my granddad and I fished a lot. Well, he goes out to the truck on Christmas Eve when the gifts are being opened, and he goes out to the truck. And, and he comes back in, and he's got this Folgers coffee can. Remember those metal Folger coffee cans? And he's got this little bitty squatty little tree sticking out of it. And I was like, what in the world is that? My granddad said, Jeff. Merry Christmas. I said, Granny, what is this? He said, this is a southern pecan tree. I said, like, sweet. I always told you I wanted the pecan tree. He said, yeah, I picked this one just for you, okay? And it's my gift to you. So here's the deal, though, all right? You got to take this tree. This is your responsibility right now. I'm giving you this tree, and you got to take care of it. So in about two, three months, four months, spring break, early April, I want you to take it out of this Folgers coffee can. I want you to transplant it into a five-gallon bucket to give the roots more room to grow. And then about the time school ends, I need you to pick a spot in the backyard, clear it with your parents, and I want you to dig a hole, and I want you to plant this tree. And then I'm gonna give you a list of instructions. I've already written them down. They're inside this card. And I want you to do these instructions the first year of this tree's life. This tree depends on you. Okay, I got it, granddad, I'll, I'll take care of it. I'm gonna make it grow, this thing gonna be huge. So 
So he, he leaves. I have the tree. Spring break comes. I, I, my dad's a painter. He has a five-gallon bucket. I get excited. I pick out the bucket. I put the tree in the five-gallon bucket, just like my granddad told me. And he says, you got, you got to do this. You got to do this. So I started doing it. And uh, about mm, early April, mid-April, School was kind of winding down. It was getting towards the last month of the school and a lot of stuff going on. It's warming up outside. Daylight time was longer. So I would play and go and do and chase my friends and all this other stuff. And I kind of stopped doing stuff with the tree. But it always looked good, so I didn't think anything about it. Well, it comes the end of the summer, and I remembered, God, I got to plant this tree. Well, I dig a hole in the corner and I plant this tree and I do all that stuff and I get it in the ground. And then summer starts and I work with my dad every summer at the shop. We go and work early, we get home. And then I've got buddies of mine that some can drive, some can't drive. And I'd go running around with them till dark or go over their houses and stuff like that. And so if you don't, if you don't remember, this was the summer of 1980. The summer of 1980 was brutal. It was like 55 days where it was over 100 degrees, and I grew up in Athens, Texas, southeast of Dallas, and, and, and I remember going home at lunch and going by the bank, and it'd be 106, 107, 108 degrees at lunch, and then my dad and I would go back to that shop that had no air conditioning, and he finally said, we're going to go in earlier in the day, and we're going to take off about 2 o'clock because I don't want to be in that shop in the heat of the day. I was like, Cool get off work at two. Well, what I did, my buddies had pools. So I went over their house and we swam till dark. And then I'd come home, eat, go to bed, take a shower, go to bed and do it all again. And weeks went by, months went by. And my granddad says, hey, I'm going to come see you about the end of the school year. Uh, I want to check out the tree. The tree. Oh yeah, I got a tree. So I went in the backyard and looked at the tree. Tree is looking good. It wasn't looking good at all. And I didn't know what to do. And I couldn't find my list. I knew I had it, but I didn't know where it was. A couple of weeks go by, my granddad comes. He goes, look, go check out that pine tree. I mean, that pecan tree. I was like, oh boy. So we go in the backyard and the pine tree, I mean, the uh, pecan tree is terrible. I mean, it hardly has any leaves on it. It looks sick. It's weak looking. And I said, granddad, you think it's still alive? He goes, yeah, if you're going to take the branches and on the end of the branches, you bend them. And if they snap, they're dead. And if they bend, there's still life in it. So I took some branches and I was bending them up and they were all just breaking off. And I got real mad. I got disappointed. My, dad, my granddad said, the tree's dead, Jeff. You're going to have to dig it up. I said, well, granddad, you don't understand. I mean, that su this summer was hot. I mean, how was I supposed to know that 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 we were gonna have 100 degree temperatures for 50 something days, and 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 this tree just didn't have a chance. It was just bad timing. And my granddad looked at me and he said, "Jeff, <laughs> timing. That's not bad timing. This tree didn't die because of the summer heat. It died because you neglected it before the summer heat got there." You didn't set the tree up to win in a hard season. You didn't nurture the tree. You didn't, you didn't feed it the, 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 the fertilizer that it needed. You didn't do the things that I listed on that list to do. You can't even find the list now. This tree didn't die because of the summer heat. It died because you neglected it before the summer heat ever got there. You never gave this tree a chance to weather a hard season. It is our job not to anticipate hard seasons that come, but to make sure that we're ready, nurtured, and, and living in a way that we can make it through hard seasons in our lives. And I never forget that. And as a senior pastor now, looking back on that for 30, 40 years later, 
You see, God left us this book right here. It's kind of like my list my granddad left me. These are some certain things that I need to do for this tree to make sure this tree is growing and healthy. And when hard times come, and Jesus promises in his word, there'll be hard seasons. He didn't say when they'd be. He just said that this world is going to give you troubles. But, but because I have the Bible, because I have God's word, because I have worship, because I have prayer, because I have a relationship with the Lord, I can nurture my life. I can, I can get ready in and out of season. So if a hard season comes, I don't wither. I don't die. I don't, I don't get sick because I'm, I'm, I'm able to eat before the storm comes. If I wait to eat when the storm comes, sometimes the storm destroys stuff and I can't even find what I need to eat. So it's important for you, if you have a relationship with the Lord already, is not neglect it. I meet so many people that neglect the relationship. They don't appreciate the relationship. They, they, don't, they don't nurture the relationship. So it, you, you've got to be like that country. You, you've got to grow yourself in the word, in worship, in church. You say, well, I went to church one time. Church made me mad. I saw some stuff in church that made me mad. Well, I'm sorry, but you don't worship the church. You worship Jesus. Okay, I'm sorry that the church hurt you, but that has nothing to do with Jesus. And your relationship with Jesus is not dependent on what the church does. It's dependent on what Jesus did. And Jesus loved you and died for you. And he said, I'll never, ever disappoint you, hurt you, leave you, forsake you. And every one of my promises are true. So you need to, you need to get in the word and grow and grow and grow. In John 3, uh, there's an encounter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, he, he, he was a very educated man. He knew the law but he didn't have a relationship with the Lord. And he was watching other people's lives and he realized, you know what? Uh, I, I know all the laws and I know all the uh, statutes that the Lord says, but I don't have a relationship with the Lord like other people have. And he was seeing Jesus do stuff and he, and he wanted to know about that. So he sought Jesus out in the middle of the night because he didn't want nobody to know that. And he was asking Jesus about who he was and, and how, how he can know him. And Jesus said, you need to be born again. And Nicodemus said, I don't understand what you're talking about. He says, well, you need to be born of the water physical birth, but then you need to be born of the spirit, a spiritual birth. So Nicodemus, you've been born of the spirit, I mean, of the, of the physical, but you've never been born of the spirit. And Nicodemus looked at him and said, how am I supposed to do that? Am I supposed to go back? I'm an old man. Am I supposed to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? No, no, you're not. But when you give your life to Christ and you're born again, you die to self and he resurrects you to walk a new life in him. You become a new person. You go by the same name, but you're a new person. He makes you new. You're born again. I had a guy in my church tell me one time, he said before he was saved when he was late in his 30s, and he said, before I got saved, I would try to read the Bible because I saw other people reading the Bible. And I, would, I went and got me a Bible, and I would read the Bible, but the Bible didn't mean anything. It was like reading the newspaper. And after I got saved, I went back to my Bible and started reading it. And, and Jeff, the Bible started coming alive in my life. I mean, I, I was understanding stuff that I'd read before. I saw stuff I've never seen. That The Bible was just coming alive. What in the world was going on? And I said, that's because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit was speaking through the Word, which is Jesus, and the Holy Spirit was illuminating and give fresh revelation to the Word of God, and it allowed you to understand the Word better. You can't understand the Word without the Holy Spirit, and so you need to be born again. If you're born again, the Bible come alive. If you're not born again, the Bible won't be nothing. It'd be like a newspaper. A lot of print doesn't mean anything. Okay, so, so you need to be born again. That's what he told Nicodemus. 
also meet people sometimes and I, I visit with them and they have had a traumatic experience in their life and they have attached salvation to a traumatic experience. Recently, I met uh, a person and they said um, that when they were a teenager, they were in a serious car accident and they should have died, but it was a miracle. They didn't get killed. And um, they realized that there was a God and that's when they found God. Okay, so one of the things that I can do real easily when I'm in my flesh is I can be uh, sarcastic. And so everything in me at that moment wanted to say, well, gosh, I am so grateful that you found God because I just hate that God's been lost all this time. And we're so glad you came around to find God. I know what they meant to say, but it, when they said, I need to, I found God, it made it sound like God was missing. God never was lost and he wasn't missing, okay? But so I asked this individual, so you said you were probably in your teenage years, 17 or 18? Yeah, something like that. I said, so how old are you now? And they told me. And I said, okay, let's take those years that since that wreck into this day, I want you to tell me about your salvation story. If you met God here or found God here, then he changed your life. I want you to tell me about the fruit in your life. I want you to tell me about church. I want you to tell me about the word. Tell me about your prayer life. Tell me about worship. Tell me how you've grown. Tell me what God's speaking to you. And they didn't say a word. I said, you can go. And they said, I don't know what to say. I said, well, it's not a tough question. It, since that experience, and now that you're saved, tell me about how you've grown in the Lord. I don't think there has been any growth. Well, tell me about where you go to church. I, have, I don't go to church. Well, tell me about time in the Word. I don't have a Bible. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not sure that you are really saved then. I know you had a traumatic experience, but what has been different about your life post that wreck? Are you still participating in the same stuff that got you in that situation? Yes. Then I want you to understand something. You're not, and I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying you're probably not born again because Jesus says that when you're born again, you become a new person, okay? He, he takes blind and makes them see. He takes a person hopeless and gives them hope. He takes a person without purpose and gives them a purpose. He takes a dead person and resurrects them to a new life. And you start living differently, seeing things differently, and you, and you know that. And so what I'm saying to you is some people have taken a traumatic experience. And because a traumatic experience happened in their life, they think that traumatic experience leads to salvation. Now, can a traumatic experience lead to salvation? Amen, it can. Many people have had a traumatic experience in their life, and on the other side of that, met the Lord, and he changed them, and they're born again, and they've been the same again. So I want you to see something in John chapter 4. In John chapter 4, there's a story of a woman at a well. All right? The woman comes to the well in the middle of the afternoon, in the heat of the afternoon, when no one else comes to the well. Most people come to get water early in the morning because the water's cooler, and, and it's cooler outside to carry the water all the way back. She comes in the middle of the afternoon. Why? Because she doesn't want to be seen by anybody because she's ashamed of her life. She's a broken person. She's empty. She's hollow. And she doesn't want to be seen by anybody. And Jesus knew that. And he purposely was waiting for her to arrive at that well. And so Jesus says to her, 
you don't have to keep coming to this well to draw water. I can give you living water that will become in you a, a, a spring welling up to eternal life. If you keep coming here, you'll be thirsty. But if you drink the water that I will give you, you will never thirst again. And he says to the woman, I want you to go get your husband. He already knows what she's about to say. But when he says it, she says, I don't have a husband. I have had five husbands and the man I'm living with is not my husband. Okay, so let me speak to the ladies here. You talking about a traumatic experience in your life? For women, when they get married and they're living with a man, uh, and that's a husband in their house, he don't know nothing. He, 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 he's struggling. Without her, he'd be a mess. One husband alone will be a traumatic experience for a woman. One. This woman didn't have just one husband in a traumatic experience. She's had five husbands in a traumatic experience. She's had a She's had a traumatic experience on steroids, my friend, because she's had five husbands. And the guy she's shacked up with, playing house with, he's not her husband either. She's about to be number six. You're talking about, you can't get more traumatic than that, my friend. So if this woman, based on a traumatic experience, was going to be saved, those five husbands would have done that. But this woman broke in after five husbands and shacked up playing house with another dude comes to the well as empty and hollow and just as sad and broken as she was before number one. And she meets Jesus and he changes everything. Can I tell you something? Traumatic experiences like divorce and cancer and sickness and, and loss of a child and a car accident or losing a job or being laid off or whatever the case may be, they can, they can rattle your case. They can shake your life. They can. And many times, uh, it can lead a person to salvation. But if you think just the experience of the trauma alone is what did it, I'm sorry, it's not. The trauma of that experience can, is not salvation. It can lead you to a man named Jesus and that's salvation. So don't put your eggs in the basket of a traumatic experience because a traumatic experience minus Jesus is just a traumatic experience, my friend. But Jesus changes everything, everything. And that is salvation, and his name is Jesus. I say it this way to many people that have gone through traumatic experiences. God saved you to save you. I'm talking to somebody today that, that knows that. God brought you through some stuff. You got home and you didn't even know how you got home. You shouldn't have been driving, but you were driving. And by the grace of God, you found your house. And by the grace of God, your wife didn't shoot you or your husband didn't shoot you, but you got home. So God saved you, okay, from yourself. He saved you to save you. If that's you today, can I tell you something? The napkin's not wadded, my friend. The napkin's folded which means there's still time for you, and he's not done yet. He's not done yet. It's not too late. It's not. The napkin's folded, my friend. It's not wadded, okay? John 14, 6, Jesus says this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's not a narrow-minded statement. That's not... That's not Jesus being mean. That's just a flat jack truth. He loves you enough to speak truth. That's what you want in your life. He says, I'm the way. There is no other way. 
can't earn it, can't do enough good things, can't go to church enough, can't honk if you love Jesus, none of that stuff's gonna happen, all right? He says, I am the way. He is the truth. He is the truth. What do we need more today than anything in the world? Truth, because I'm telling you, there's a lot of lies out there, all right? The truth, his name's Jesus. He is what? Not just the way, not just the truth, but his life. Some of you are not living a life. You're existing like a tree in grass, but you're not living. Jesus said, I came to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That's the life he has for you. That's the life that he says you're worthy of and that you deserve. That's the life that he wants to give you through a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not too late for you. He's not done. He's not done. The napkin is still folded, my friend. John 10, 9 says this. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Pretty simple. Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, what happens? They're saved, period. And nobody wants born again, truly born again. No one, scripture says, can snatch them out of my father's hands. Nobody, okay, nobody. Romans 8, 16 says this, the spirit himself would testify with our spirit that you are God's child. You say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. Hmm. Ask the father, because his spirit will testify to your spirit that you are saved. You gotta know that you know that you know that you know. My friends, if you haven't figured anything out in the last month in this crazy world, when you've been cut off with people, been isolated in your homes, the country's been shut down, your relationships have ceased, for many of you, you have had to rely on the relationship that you have with Jesus Christ to get through these seasons. This is a hard time. It doesn't make any sense. There's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of voices out there. It, it feels weird. It is weird. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. The greatest thing you can have right now is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because why? He's the only thing that's going to keep your compass pointing north. Otherwise, you're going to be a mess, my friend. Jesus is the only way that can quiet all the voices and give you peace. And if you don't have peace right now, it's because you don't have Jesus. Because Jesus says, this world can't give you peace. I'm the only one that can give you peace. And the peace that Jesus gives you comes from inside, not from outside. You can't manufacture peace. You can't make peace. Peace comes from inside. And if you don't have Jesus Christ living inside of you through the Holy Spirit, your life right now is not at peace. And if your life right now is not at peace, it's because you do not have a relationship. D relationship. You may have a relationship and you may have relationships with people, but those relationships don't matter. It's the relationship with Jesus that matters. And so I have good news for you, church. I have good news for you. Whether you're at home, in your bedroom, in your living room, at your kitchen table, maybe you're in your car, maybe in your truck, maybe you've driven out the end of the road and you just listen to the service through your phone or whatever, but I have good news for you. If the Holy Spirit is saying inside of you, you're not born again. You have done a lot of good things in your life. You're trying really hard right now. You've turned over a new leaf. You're, you're really doing the things that you need to do, but you're not born again. 
you're not born again. You know you do not have two birthdays. You have a physical birthday, but you know you don't have a spiritual birthday. There's never been a time in your life that you know for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure that you've been born again. My friends, I have good news for you. This napkin that we talked about in John chapter 20 is not wadded up and dropped on a plate, okay? If it was, you'd be in a world of hurt. You'd be in trouble because you know what? Jesus is coming back and it's too late. But right now, my friend, it's not too late because the napkin is folded. He's coming back, but he's not back yet. And there is no greater time than today. Today is a day of salvation. If that is you, I need you to pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you and make you new. He says, everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone. So I'm asking you right now, if you don't have peace and you know for sure you're not born again, it is not too late, my friend. The napkin is still folded. The king is coming back, but he's not back yet. And you don't want to tarry any longer. You want to get, make today the day of salvation. So I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you. I'm begging you to a certain extent. You need to be born again because when you get born again, it changes everything, my friend. Changes everything. He's not done. He's not done. The napkin's still folded and there's still time for you. And I pray you don't waste this time, that you do what you know you need to do and you're born again. And if you pray that prayer, and if you are born again, I want you to reach out to me. I want you to reach out to me. I want you to message me through the Facebook, for the, through the church's Facebook page. I need you to send me a text. I need you to track me down. Let me know. Let me know. Because I want to know. I want to encourage you. And I want to applaud you. I want to tell you how proud I am of you. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. I thank you so much for this time together. And God, it, it is really good to know in a crazy time like this, that you're not done, and you're not done. The napkin is still folded. And God, your greatest desire for that napkin still being folded is that you don't wanna come back yet because you have relationships that you wanna make with people. You, Father, you want to have a personal relationship with each person you created, no matter what their past was, no matter who they are, or what they think they are, whether they deserve it or don't deserve it. They, it's, not their, they, it's not up to them. It's not their opinion. Your opinion is they're worth it and they're worthy and they deserve it. And God, you want a relationship with them. And I pray that that individual or individuals will reach out today and pray and invite you to come in and save them and they will receive Jesus Christ and will be born again. It is your desire to have relationship with each and every person, God. And I pray that no one misses that opportunity today. The napkin is still folded. He is not done. We love you for that. We praise you for that. We thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen, amen. Thank you, church. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.